Well, good morning. Well, you know, I was when the sound went out, I was reminded back a number of years ago, as we came into uh, service that one morning, the transformer out back had blown for the community. We had no power, we had no lights, and yet, you know what? We still went on with our service. First time I ever preached with a flashlight in my hand, looking at my notes. But you know, the word tells us we're to be ready in season and out of season. And it's not about us, it's about the anointing that God placed upon us, that everyone needs to be ready in season and out of season to carry on your testimony, to do what God's called you to do. So uh, we'll go ahead and we'll get started. I want to welcome those online, and I want to welcome everyone here. If, you, if you're watching online, I just ask you to share uh, what you're watching on Facebook. You're able to do that. It just helps us a little bit, but it also ministers to those around the community and around the state that, you know, we have people as far away as Arizona that watch us every week, week in and week out. We've had them as far as Europe and Central and South America. And that is a small church that people would say having a big impact on our community. And that's what God has called us to do. Also, if you want to turn to your notes in the, in the YouVersion Bible app, our notes are there today. You can take notes and then kind of follow along. So how many of you remember the gentleman by the name of Chuck Colson? If you're from the 70s or around in the 70s, Chuck Colson was, was an interesting individual. He, he was kind of self-made. He turned down a scholarship, a full-force scholarship to Harvard University to enter the Marines. Later went on to college, got his law degree, and wanted to go into politics. And he did. And by the time he was age 40, he was in President Nixon's cabinet, part of his team, and he was kind of one of his closest advisors. They later continued to call him a, a young, ambitious kingmaker is what he referred to himself. And he was also known from Watergate as being Nixon's hatchet man. Because of what he did with the Watergate, he went to prison. But it was what God did in him is what I want to highlight and I want to look at a little bit. He pleaded guilty to his part in, in Watergate. And he gotten saved before before all the trial, before all this went on, he didn't get saved because he was running for something. He really knew there was something empty inside of him. But the day that he went to court and they gave the judgment of what was going to happen, he said, this is the press conference, he gives, what happened in court today was the court's will and the Lord's will. I have committed my life to Jesus Christ and I cannot work for him. I can work for him in prison as well as out. He went on to, fellow, to found Fellowship for Prison Ministries. If you know anything about it, he had an incredible impact on our nation's prison industries. He said, with what he had able to do and what he did while he was in prison, he was saved thousands and thousands of people came to know the Lord. And I know the last couple messages, I've talked about those in prison. But you know what? We're prisoners of the world at times if we're not careful. We all live in some type of prison. It's either our past, it's the way we were raised, and God has come to set the prisoners free. Chuck Colson took that upon himself. He was a true servant. This is, I heard him once say, I am ambitious, and I am ambitious today, but I hope it is not Chuck Colson, though I struggle with that quite a lot. As a matter of fact, but I am ambitious for Christ. 
Ambition is, desi- is defined as a desire to succeed. See, I think God has created something inside of us to be great. It's how we define greatness is really where a lot of people get in trouble. Some people look at greatness and they want money, they want the power, and they get corrupted through it all. But in the kingdom, we look at greatness in a whole different way. See, in the end, Chuck Colson, God got the glory. In the end of our lives, isn't that what we want? Through all the mess, through all the problems we've walked through, maybe the mess-ups that we have done in our lives that the enemy keeps bringing up to make us feel shameful, God's going to still get the glory. So if we keep keep marching on, we keep doing what God has done. I think those stories are great stories to listen to, and we need to tell them, we need to share them. But you know what's even greater is each one of you have a great story. Each one of you have a great testimony. See, I used, to, I used to fight it and say, you know what, I grew up in church. The worst thing I probably did was, you know, shoot peas at, at a, a <laughs> elementary school. I did a pea shooter at the President Washington. They had the picture in the, in the cafeteria, and I got caught by the principal. But I used, to, I used to think about that. And you know what I was doing? I was demeaning what God had done in my life. And if you think today, just because you haven't gone out there and created headlines and news that no matter where you're at, God has got a story inside of you he is trying to bring out. He has a testimony inside of you that he wants to get the glory from. And if we hide it and we don't share it, then we're, we're doing nothing for the kingdom. There's, a, there's greatness in each one of us. And I want you to become great. God wants you to become great. And you know what? When we read the Great Commission, it's what he talks about, is that how we can become great. Listen to this and what he says in John. It says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. Understand that for a second. The works that he's done in, that he did, he will do in you also. Understand the fact that he raised the dead. He healed the sick. He touched the blind that they can see. He did that so you understand that you can do that through your ministry with what God has in store for you. He goes on to say, and the works that I do, will do, they will do also, and greater works than these. Jesus is telling us right here that we will do greater things than he did. Can you imagine that? Have you ever allowed yourself to dream about what you can do for God in that way? Jesus never said we shouldn't aspire to be great. He only defined what greatness is in the kingdom. And so the title of my message today is we're still on the series, God First. title of my message today is The Greatest Journey. See, I think the life that we live and that God takes us through, some of us are embarrassed by our past, and I want to tell you today, I want to give you something today. It, you don't need to be embarrassed by your past if you come to Jesus. Your past is not who defines you. It is your past that you give glory to God and your testimony. Because through your past, you'll be able to help someone else get through theirs. It is because of your past, God has given you the strength to overcome. And you might say, well, pastor, I'm not overcoming it yet. That's okay. The Bible says we work out our salvation. And by working out our salvation, each one of us have those things that we have to walk through. 
I want you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. And I want to tell a little bit of story, and we're going to talk a little bit about what it means to be great and what I actually think God is trying to do. Pastor mentioned there, there are some things changing in our church. There's things that are changing in our service, and there's things changing in our hearts, in our minds, and the, lo- the love that God has for us for this community. God has placed us in this community for a purpose. God has placed us in Port Orange for a purpose. He has you here today for a purpose. And if you don't know why you're here today, understand God brought you here for a purpose. In verse five, we'll start off. He says, have the same attitude. That means the mindset of Christ that Christ had. Although he was in the form of God and equal with God, which means he was God, He did not take advantage of this equality, which means he never asked for any favors. If you remember in the garden, he he anguished over. He knew he had to go to the cross. He knew what that meant. And he he did not say, okay, I give up. Okay, this is time, Lord. You can bring a lamb in. I remember what you did for Isaac. I remember you brought that lamb in and, and saved him of that, but he didn't ask for that. Why? Because he knew he had to be the lamb of God. He had to continue. Verse 7 said, instead, he emptied himself. That means he, he gave up his supernatural power that God had. He, by taking on the form of a servant, by becoming like other humans, Jesus was just like you and I. We need to, we need to visualize, we need to understand that, and we need to get that into our mind. By having human appearance. See, I think one of the greatest things that we see in the disciples, and we all lift up the disciples, don't we? We all think about, man, what an incredible ministry they had, what they did. They, they went on and carried on with what, God, what Christ had shown them. But all the miracles that he did, he did it as man. And why do you think he did it as man? It's because he wanted you and I to understand all these thousands of years later, wanted to understand that we have that same power that resonated in Christ resonates in us. That same power that helped him raise Lazarus from the dead, we have inside of us to touch those around us to raise the dead and to lift those up that are sick and to lay our hands onto them, they will be healed. But I think the biggest issue that we have as believers today is we see Jesus as God first in in the scriptures and not as man. And see, the disciples who held no, did not know any limits, saw him as man first. Then the day of ascension and the day of his, his resurrection, they began to realize this is God. And everything he had done, everything he had put into us, everything he told us that we could do, we can do. And he poured that out on each one of them. He goes on in verse 8. He humbled himself by becoming obedient. He became submissive to the point of death, death on the cross. This is why God has given him an exceptional honor, the name honored above all other names, not because he's God, but because he was an obedient servant. Verse 10 says, so that at the name of Jesus, Everyone in heaven, on earth, and the world below. Who's the, what's the world below? Hell. Hell. The world, that means in heaven, on earth, and the world below will kneel. Amen. What a powerful name that is. 
because of his obedience and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What I want to share with you today is three ways Jesus performed greatness, not as God, but as man. And I want to share with you those things that hopefully you'll grasp what I grasp through this. See, I think we limit ourselves because we see him as God. And we tell ourselves because, you know, we don't, none of us want to fail. We all want to be great. But we tell ourselves, he did that as God, so I can't do that. So if I can't do that, why should I try? But he did that as man, acting in faith, going to the Father. And the Father just poured out his spirit upon him, touched him, and allowed things to happen. The first point I want to look at is Jesus, what made him, what made him an incredible leader is in what, he, what things that we need to learn is he began by meeting people's needs. Listen to what he says here in Matthew. When Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with a compassion for them and he healed their sick. Jesus was first moved by compassion. Countless times we see in scripture how he was moved upon those that are around him. And he continued on. He touched them. Verse 16 says, they do not, this is the story of the feeding of the five thousand. but he said, that he goes on and he healed the sick and he says, they do not need to go away. The, the, the disciples were telling them they need to disperse, Lord, there's a lot of people here. The word tells us there were 5,000 men, which probably means with men and women and children, there was upwards maybe of eight to 10,000 or more people. They didn't, that was just the count they had that multitude around him. And in verse 16, they do not need to go away. Jesus is telling them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Why do you think he told the disciples to meet their needs? The disciples were thinking, how, how am I going to be able to do this? They were thinking in the form without faith. They were looking at the situation, allowed the situation to overwhelm them, instead of looking at the situation and saying, okay, God, we give you what we have. He said in verse 17, we have only two fish and two loaves and two fish. Five loaves and two fish, sorry. Five loaves of bread and two fish. And they met, blessed it. And you know what? It met the need. And some of you might say, well, that, that can never happen. I have a friend of mine in El Salvador has a huge children's ministry. And they did an event and they were promising ice, or popsicles to all the kids that came. They only had 400 popsicles, if I remember the story. They had them in the ice chest, and they had thousands of kids that came out that day. And they kept reaching in, and they said they prayed over it. They blessed it, and Lord, Lord, you know our need. They kept reaching in and pulling popsicles out, reaching in and kept pulling popsicles out, reaching in and pulling popsicles out, and every child got a popsicle. They had leftovers. Why? It's because they, they went to the Father. They didn't know it was in their own strength, but they exercised their faith. They exercised their faith going into El Salvador and when it was warm, torn. And yet through the work that they have done, they have, we have seen an incredible change of culture to where members of, of their, their, their government are now saved and born again believers serving God. Where members of their children's church at that time have now grown up and they become political leaders. Why? It's because they knew that if they gave everything they had to God, God would honor it, just like they did here. 
but the disciples wanted to answer and wanted to respond in lack and limitation. How many times do you have a need and you look at it and your, your, your mind tells you, well, I can't do that. I lack the credentials. I lack the ability to be able to do that. And we all put it on ourselves, I lack, I lack. We get this mentality. Well, they're asking us to give this way and I can't give because I don't have the money in my budget. This is what I spend. This is how I live. But I don't have the, be able to way to make that work. And yet God honored that day. And it says when they, at the end of the day after they fed everyone, they took up 12 baskets of leftovers. 12 baskets of leftovers. Jesus performed greatness by meeting people's needs, not as God, but as a man of faith. See, God has called each one of us here today to be men and women of faith, to believe it's not about us. It is about who God, Christ is in us. And it's about walking in that faith. And it's not something that comes up when we get sick. It's not something that comes up that just happens by happenstance. It is something that comes up each and every day. We walk out our faith step by step every single day. He has saved us and sent us, each one of us in this room, that we could come and heal the sick. That we could come and feed the hungry and encourage the discouraged. How many of you know in this society today, we have a lot of people that are discouraged. They're confused. They don't know which direction to go. And as, as believers of Jesus, as lovers of God, we have that ability within us because of who Christ is in our life to help those that are discouraged. And he's also given us the ability to change this world. To change this world. See, sometimes we have to expand our thinking and expand our vision. See, if our vision is only the neighborhood I live in and the work I do, then it's very, very small. But if you begin to see how God can use you and what God can do, God will take you places that you never knew that you, you could go. He'll have you do things you never knew you wanted to do until you walk into them. And the experiences God has blessed me with and the opportunity to speak in different nations of this world and, and do that, I'd say that not out of, out of, of being eager, uh, an ego. I say that humbly because God has opened up doors and avenues. We have, to, we have to expand our thoughts. See, I think some of you have inside of you some greatness. Why not begin to grab someone, a young person around you, and begin to mentor them? Why not look for maybe a single mom that's struggling and begin to help them, love on them. Maybe take their kids for an, an evening, let them have a little rest. Something that's very dear to my heart. Pastor Jenny oversees our, our pastoral care and she goes to the local nursing home. See, I grew up in a nursing home. My parents owned them, operated them, and at age 22, I think it was, I went back and became administrator to operate them. Some of the greatest experiences I've had, to be honest with you, I love being in business, I love being a businessman, but some of the greatest experiences I have is sitting down with some of those individuals and talking to them. In Atlanta, I got to see individuals that were over, talked to a lady that was almost 100, and she had lived through the, the tail end of, the, of slavery in the Civil War. 
and, and brought up to today. And, and, I, and in South Florida, the home I had, I got to meet and talk to uh, Batista's secretary, former dictator of Cuba, but getting to hear the stories. And I got a chance to meet individuals that escaped the captivity of Cuba, fought for their lives to come to this nation so they could live in freedom. And I got an opportunity to just bless them and pray with them. See, God is not done with you. So many of us think just because we're older that, that you know, we're at the tail end, we're looking to go to glory. If you're just walking around looking to ready for your day to go to glory, you've missed the whole rebirth experience of who Christ is in us. Because the purpose of our rebirth was to revitalize our lives that we could accomplish and think to do the things God's called us to do. We had a family friend that in their late 60s, God gave them a way to be able to make glasses that they could take those glasses overseas as a missionary and help people that did not have glasses get glasses, why? So they could read the Bible. And they put the Bible in thousands and thousands of people's hands after they had retired. They just didn't give up and to this day they keep serving the Lord. Jesus performed greatness as a man by meeting people's needs. Can't we do it too? Second point I want to look at is sharing the gospel. Listen to what he says here in Matthew. Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Verse 36 is that when Jesus saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered, sheep with no shepherd. So I want to stop there for a second. For those that, and, and listening online and those that of us have, might have friends that feel like I don't need to go to church to be saved, you don't. What you do need is to have a shepherd. And if your shepherd is in some far place that you don't know him and he can't know you, that's not a shepherd. See, when we have a shepherd, our pastor is our shepherd. There's accountability with him. He loves on us as a father. That's what Jesus was telling us there. They, the people become weary, and they become, because they don't allow them to have a shepherd that can shepherd them through problems, shepherd them through their life. He was moved with compassion on these individuals. See, so many of us think that when people show us compassion because we, we, maybe we feel guilty with our past, they're, they're, they're judging us. And I, I really don't think, as Christians, we're, we're judging someone. We're loving on them, and we should. Because you know what? When everything's pulled away and all the facade is pulled away, we're all basically the same people. We're scared. We're not sure what tomorrow holds. We're not sure where... Where, where, some, where we're all concerned if someone just knew what happened you know, years ago they just find out where I'm at then they're going to look at me differently no, God knows and God has forgiven us he's wiped that slate clean Jesus went on to preach the gospel and to teach then he began to meet their needs he began to meeting their needs every step of the way See, some people think it's just the opposite. We've got to, to meet their needs and then preach. I don't think so. I think it's we share the gospel. And each one of us have in a unique way. It's not preaching like this to share the gospel. It's getting to know our neighbors. Maybe have them for dinner. Maybe take them out there and getting to know them. Where they're from. Love on them. 
as you love on them, God opens up avenues and doors that you'll never, never understand. You don't have to sit there and press the gospel message on someone. Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you, and those, those things will just happen. In verse 37 and 38, he says, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into this harvest. Pastor mentioned earlier, we've got needs in ministry, especially in our children. We're the laborers. We're the laborers that God's called us to labor and to do the work. We have, to, we have to step up and meet those needs. Right as, as Jesus finished this and, just, and he went on, he died on the cross. 50 days after he died on the cross, we know what happened. That day, that day of Pentecost, listen to what it says here. This, this is in Acts 8. But you, and this is Jesus telling them as he, before he leaves. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in, Ju- in Jerusalem, which means locally, and Judea and Samaria, which means our region, our state, and to the ends of the earth globally. So we have to have a mindset to think about our community. We have to have a mindset of the work that God wants to do. Now, I don't need a raise of hands, but I'll ask you a question. How many of you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit How many of you have ever allowed the Holy Spirit to move through your life? See, what we see here as they prepare, the the disciples begin to do the great things. Why? What was the difference between them earlier in the Gospels to when they moved into Acts? It was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And what the outpouring of the Holy Spirit did, did it change them as a man? No, they, they were the same individuals. What it did, it gave them the strength and the courage to do the things and the faith to step up and do the things God's called them to do. So many of us get lost when we talk about the Holy Spirit because we, we, we refer, because so many people talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the evidence of speaking in tongues. And if you don't want to speak in tongues, you don't have to. I'm not saying that. But when we allow the Holy Spirit to move through us, he touches us in a, an incredible way. We saw that on the day of Pentecost. We saw that through, their, through the ministry of every one of the disciples. And we saw that through Paul's ministry. Why? It's because they yield themselves to the Holy Spirit. See, so many of us, we, if we want to raise our hands, we can talk about the issues that we have. God's not looking for us to talk about the issues. He's looking for us to raise our hands, submit ourselves to him, and allow the Holy Spirit to help us draw those things out of us. When, we're, when, when the disciples were baptized and saved, and we saw in the Gospels, they were still the same individuals. They still had the same issues. That we saw that with Peter just right before the crucifixion, how he denied Christ. We saw that with Peter as he cut off the servants' ears. They came to get Christ. But yet, just 50 days later, Peter stood up. This, this outspoken person stood up and proclaimed the good news of the gospel. Why? It's because he yielded himself to the power of the Holy Spirit. When, and you know what? The Holy Spirit has been given to us as a helper. 
The Holy Spirit has been given to us as a comforter. You can take it with you each and every day at work, take it with you at school. God has used it to give us the strength to do some incredible things. We push back because we don't understand it. We push back because there's a, that when it comes to the Holy Spirit and the workings of the Holy Spirit, we don't understand it. And we push back on the things that we don't understand instead of yielding ourselves to the Lord. It's all right to not understand everything. I'll be honest with you, I grew up in a Pentecostal home. I grew up understanding the Holy Spirit. I don't say that bragging. I, I had to learn the other side. I remember my first service when I was in college, we went to a Methodist church and in the middle of the service, God began to move and I'm raising my hands and I'm praying and one of my roommates grew up in, in the Methodist church and he punched me in my stomach and I was like, dude, why? It's like, you just don't do that here. It's like, why? That's church to me. But it's through the power of the Holy Spirit I yield myself that all the iniquity of my life all the little things that I think are imperfect, I yield to God. And when the Holy Spirit comes in, all those things bubble to the surface. Some of them fall away. Some are still there. Paul tells us that he had a thorn in his flesh. None of us know. But maybe it was one of those situations that he had to constantly fight. He had to constantly deal with. But the Holy Spirit renews and regenerates my heart. He renews and regenerates my mind. He renews and regenerates my vision that I could see the things that God's called us to do. If Jesus performed greatness as a man by sharing the gospel, can't we do it too? Yeah. Third point I want to look at is building the church. He declares here in Matthew 16, 18, build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. To me, what that means, when we go out and we do the things that God's called us to do, I pray before we do it. I have been in situations where there has been demonic activity and I've stood there and God has dissipated them, taken them and scattered them away to allow us to do the things he's called us to do at that moment. Then we step out in faith, we begin to walk out in faith, we exercise our faith the power of the Holy Spirit pushes the enemy away. Why? It's because he's got greater things in store for us. You can't allow your defeats, you can't allow those things that have come in the past to remove you from the things that God wants from you and us and our future. That's why we have to allow the, the renewing of our mind. And God has chosen the church as an avenue to bless those in our community. And I had the worship team come on up. There, back in the, after World War II, there was a statue in, in Europe and so, some soldiers came up to it. It was outside of a Catholic church. And the story goes, but during all the bombing, the hands of Jesus were broken off. The feet of Jesus were broken off and the statue was still standing. And one of the soldiers had put a little sign up that said, we are his hands, we are his feet, which is true. How will people know who Jesus is if we never share it? How will people know the power of God 
if we never walk it out and demonstrate it. Greatness in the kingdom is not defined the way we look at it in the world. God's got greater things in store for each one of us. We have to pass this down to our next generation, those that are younger. Listen to what Paul tells Timothy here as he urges him to guard the church and its teachings. This is Timothy, 2 Timothy 2. I have a favor. I love 2 Timothy for some reason. But, it, but it's, it, it, I think it's because, not the name, but I think it's because of what Paul, Paul poured into Timothy. He poured into that next generation. Why? Because he knew, he, he, he did all this while he was in prison. He knew that if we didn't share with the next generation, who would? If we didn't guard the scriptures from, for the next generation, who will? So many people in this world today want to change what this says and want to look at it and want to change it and correct it in today's society, and that's not what it's meant to be. But if we guard it, life comes out of this. Listen to what it says. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, and trust these, I entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier in Christ. Listen to that last bit. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Those, those who are faithful can be trusted. And I want to tell you something, church. Those of you that feel right now you're being tested, those of you feel that, that you're walking through something horrible you don't want to walk through, what is tested is trusted in the kingdom. Without being tested, we have no testimony. Without being tested, we do not know how magnificent the glory of God is. Without being tested, we do not know that we, do, we, we settle for the limitation that the enemy wants us to have. But when we're tested, we realize that we can rise up and do greater things that God's called us to do. I want to challenge you, church. This church is not just these buildings. Each one of us carry this church outside of here to the groups that we, we, we part of, to our neighborhoods, to those that are in our work group. How many of you ever witnessed or loved on someone at work and got an opportunity when God opened the door to share the gospel? I've done that in a business setting. I've led suppliers to the Lord of Jesus. And I say that not bragging. I say that because when God gave me the opportunity, I stopped and we prayed with him. See, we need everyone that's a part of our church for three quick things. Prayer. Pray over our church. Pray over our people and our community. Pray over our pastors. You don't know how much we need that and the things that God leads us. Find your place in church. Through Maybe it's through serving on the worship team or the AV team or in the greeting. Go to growth track and, and life groups and begin to find your place that God's called you to be. Last thing is support your local church. Why do we need that? Because your support, when you support this, and not, no one's saying what you give, well, I'm just saying you give and God begins to magnify it. God begins to bless it and allows us to do things outside these walls to be able to bless those and touch those in the kingdom. 
If Jesus performed great greatness building the church, shouldn't we join him and do it too? I ask those questions because I want them to kind of penetrate our spirits today. I want them to penetrate in, in, in us. Let us think. And I'm gonna leave you with one last passage. This is in Matthew. This is, this is we're, we're coming to a point where, you remember that James and John were known as the sons of thunder. But this is James and John's mother. When she went to Jesus with kind of a presumptive question. Would you allow my two sons to sit, one on your right and one on the other hand, one on your left in your kingdom? See, I think the sons of thunder might not have been the father. I think it might have been the mom. She says that, and Jesus' word said, what are you asking? Is that your sons be great in my kingdom? Is that what you are asking? See, greatness is, is defined differently when we look at the things in the kingdom. Verse 27 and 27, and whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Verse 28 says, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. See, Jesus never said we shouldn't aspire to be great. It's how we define greatness in the kingdom church. Will you bow your heads with me? If you're here today, the purpose of my message is to challenge you. If you walk into a service and you don't feel challenged, you just feel the, the, the ghost bumps and the, you know, the goodness sometimes of, the, of those, those moments, you're not being challenged spiritually. And I want to challenge you. God wants us to be challenged in our walk and our life with him. So if you're here today and this message resonated with you. I'm gonna ask no one look around, no one move. But you see, Pastor, I, I know that I, I'm not there yet. Maybe I have not had an opportunity to be able to, to do and to share, but I, I want that strength. I wanna be able to touch those for the kingdom. I wanna to minister to those. Or maybe you're saying, who would listen to me? My life is a mess. Everything, if they know who I am, they would not want to be there for, the, you know, want to come to Christ. And some of you might say, you know what, I tried it one time, Pastor, and he just, it wasn't for me. But maybe today's differently. If one of those touched you, and that one of those is where you're at today. I'm just going to ask in just a moment, just to raise your hand so I can keep you in my prayers. If one of those things touched you and that's where you see yourself right now, raise your hand so I can keep you in my prayers. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Father, we come to you today, Lord God. We love you. We submit ourselves to you and ask your touch, Father God. Holy Spirit, Move on us today, each one that is here. Open up our eyes and our ears. Let us see the things you've wanted us to do. Allow us to be able to accomplish the things you want us to accomplish and to be the men and women of God you've called us to be. 
Church, I'm going to ask if you're just everyone to stand right now. As we close out our service today, I want to ask one more thing. When we, when we raise our hands and sing it, it's a sign that we surrender ourselves, who we are and what we are to the Lord. I'm just going to ask as, this, as they sing this last song, let's all just close up into ourselves. Let's just raise our hands and let's sing the words and begin to believe what God will do. Father, we thank you this day. Lord, as arms are raised around this room, Lord, you know each and one's testimony. You know each and one's gifting. Lord, you know where everyone is at today. Holy Spirit, I pray, fall upon this house, fall upon this church, fall upon this community, and allow us to step out. Allow us to do what they did on the day of Pentecost. Allow us to be able to change our community. Allow us to be able to change our neighborhood. Allow us to be able to change our world. We give you the praise, the honor, and the glory this morning, Father. And we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, let's stop and let's just, let's sing and let's seal what God has done today. Amen.